Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Good morning. There's a psychiatrist, his name's Kurt Thompson. In fact, I think, Lori, you know him. And... uh, Kurt Thompson is credited with this saying, every one of us is looking for someone looking for us with love and delight. Every one of us is looking for someone looking for us with love and delight. That when we walk into the room, their eyes light up because our presence makes a difference in their life. And there's joy in their heart because they see you and their eyes light up. Every one of us is looking for someone, looking for us with love and delight. And the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Bible, I don't know what you've been told, but the good news of the Bible is not try not to suck. (laughs) My t-shirt's an object lesson today. The Bible's message is not try not to suck, although I think many of us are on the religious treadmill of trying not to suck. And we never measure up. And we're not good enough. And we're a disappointment. And the good news of the gospel is God's love. He loves us as he, what was that lyric? Finds us. He loves you as he finds you, as you are. Not as you should be, as you are. Here's my prayer today. My prayer is that somehow this message that you're hearing right now will go from up here, oh yeah, whatever, I know, God loves me, that's, you're the pastor, you're supposed to tell me that, that it goes from here, you've been carrying it up here for 10 months, 10 years, 40 years, I know, I know, I mean, I'm I'm praying it gets here today, that you experience this love that is a mystery. It's, it, it's too big to fully grasp. The prayer that we're looking at in Ephesians 3, it talks about this love is so big, we can't fully comprehend it. But I am convinced that when my life is saturated in this love, the love of God the Father, when my, John Ireland, when my life is saturated, when I believe it, when I experience it firsthand, not, not from you, that I experience it, that I experience a God, that I experience God the Father, that he sees me in, his response is love and delight. When I actually let that touch me here, my heart gets filled up and freed up 
so that I'm able to live with nothing to lose, nothing to hide, nothing to prove. Freed up, not locked up in insecurity and inferiority, believing the lies of the culture that we're inundated with, we're we're under attack. We have an enemy who seeks to, according to Jesus, steal, kill, and destroy our spiritual life, our emotional, relational life. We have an enemy that's seeking to do that, and God and his word reminds us that, no, 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 no. Don't believe those lies. Well, you say, what lies? The lie that you're a disappointment. The lie that God's disgusted with you. The lie that you're annoying. You're high maintenance. You're a pain in the butt. You you suck, basically. That's a lie, according to God's word. But we sit here and we're like, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not enough. And it's those messages, whether it be out there in the world, on social media, that make us feel insecure and inferior, or not out there, but back then, our childhood, coaches, teachers, parents, whatever it was, messages that you're a disappointment, you're an embarrassment, we're not proud of you, don't mess with me. Or maybe the messages have come from up here for some of you, from the platform, from people like me. From the pulpit, you were shamed, guilted, marginalized, threatened because of you got divorced, your lack of devotion, you're a woman, you're a person of color, you have a disability, you ask too many questions, you have doubts. And the church and the people in leadership, maybe, have beat you up with shame, with guilt, with that message that you'll never be enough. You'll never be in leadership. So what do we do about that? Ephesians 3. If you have a Bible, open it. Chapter 3. We're just saturating ourselves, soaking in this prayer of Paul's to the Ephesian church. He's writing to believers in Ephesus, and we're just simply walking through verse by verse this prayer. Paul says, when I think of all this, pause, just to review all of this, chapters 1 and 2, Mike McKinnis gave us this beautiful kind of macro picture of the story of God and that we matter to God, that we're richer than we realize in Christ Jesus. And he says, when I think of all this or that, his response was what? I fall to my knees in humility, in desperation. He says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, God's resources are unlimited. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. That he will empower you with inner strength. And we talked about that inner strength that we need through his spirit. 
And now here's today's verse, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Let me say that verse again. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And then the rest of the, the prayer is, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though, here it is, it's too great to understand fully. Like it blows your mind. You can't get your head around it. If you got God's love all figured out, you don't understand God. You don't get God. If you got God all figured out, it's not God you got figured out. It's too great. He's too great. His love's too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who's able. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The language that Paul uses in this verse, he uses two metaphors. He uses a metaphor of foundation and a metaphor of nature, roots and foundation. In fact, um, in the NIV, it's this idea of you being rooted and established in love. Rooted, like a tree, rooted and established is a foundation. I love what Jono did this morning, of your feet on the foundation. I love that Casey picked that song. It's like, you are, have a foundation. Jesus is our foundation. And this whole idea of, in the, in, 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 in the translation that I'm reading, that he'll make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, that word means to dwell, to reside, to live in permanently, to settle in. So what does that mean? The implication there is Jesus doesn't have any interest in temporary residence in your life. Jesus doesn't want to be a guest or a visitor who's just passing through as you went to camp. Hey, Jesus came into my life this week. Now you're back home. And he wants to take up permanent residence in your life. All of your life for all of your life. That's what's implied here. Jesus wants to dwell, reside, make his home in our hearts as we trust in him day by day, moment by moment. All of your life and my life for all of your life. Lifelong followers, not one week, one weekend, one Sunday, all of my life for all of my life. I have some quotes that I want to have you soak in. 
that help us think about identity. Why is identity so important? Why does it matter that we're loved or that we don't feel loved? Like, why does that even matter? Because how I see myself impacts how I treat myself and how I treat you. Did you know that? How I see myself, it impacts, it influences how I treat myself, the choices that I make that help me to flourish and thrive or are self-destructive choices and decisions. How I see myself impacts how I treat myself and how I treat others. And the Bible, the truth of God's word, it says that you're dearly and deeply loved. So listen to these quotes. Brennan Manning. Any of you familiar with Brennan Manning? I had the privilege, I think it was 1992, to go on a 24-hour retreat with Brennan Manning. If you haven't read any of his books, they're fabulous. Brennan Manning was a struggling fellow Christ follower, struggled with alcoholism, struggled with lying and deceit, and yet he kept falling into the grace of God. He kept reminding himself and reminding us in the church that God is good. Listen to this quote. Do you believe that the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness? Beyond fidelity and infidelity? That he loves you in the morning sun and the evening rain? That he loves you when your intellect denies it? Your emotions refuse it? Your whole being rejects it? Do you believe that God loves you without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are, not as you should be? That's a question everybody in this room really needs to pause and think about and respond to. Do you believe that God could be this good, this loving, over and 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 over again, the Bible says that God's love is unfailing. Go look that word up in a dictionary, unfailing. It means he's never giving up on you. He's never turning away from you. He's never telling you, try not to suck. I'm giving up on you. And the implication is you do suck. He, that's not the God of the Bible. He wants what's best for you. His love will never, ever give up on you. Henry Nouwen said it this way, God loved you before you were born, and God will love you after you die. In Scripture, God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's forever. You can't do anything to make him love you less or love you more. I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is a very fundamental truth of your identity. This is a very fundamental truth of your identity. This is who you are, whether you feel it or not. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. And I love this. Life is just a little opportunity for you during a few years to say, I love you too. 
I love you too, God. I love you too, Jesus. I love you too. That's why you were put on this earth. To be in relationship, a loving, intimate, close, real, authentic relationship with your creator, the living God. Anne Voskamp, this is how she puts it. When your identity is in Christ, your identity is the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Criticism can't change it. Failing can't shake it. Lists can't determine it. When your identity is in the rock, your identity is rock solid. As long as God is for you, it doesn't matter what mountain rises ahead of you. You are not your yesterday. You aren't your messes. You aren't your failures. You aren't your brokenness. And then Tim Keller. Tim Keller writes, the Bible says that our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something besides Jesus. Which begs the question, what am I building my identity on? Is it what I do? Is it where I go? Is it my bucket list? Is it my marriage, my family, my kids? My, what am I building my life on? My net worth? Well, Henry Nouwen says there's five lies of identity. We're going to throw them up on the screen. Those of you that don't know, he's passed away, but he was a writer, a professor, a priest. And if you haven't read any of Henry Nouwen's stuff, go buy five of his books, man. He's, he's just such a life-giving writer. But here's what he says, the five lies of identity. The five lies, not truths, the five lies of identity. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what other people say or think of me. I am nothing more than my worst moment, my failures. Or I'm nothing less than my best moment. And yet, all of us are here today and gone tomorrow. And so then he goes on to say this, identity is to be found in one place a place deep enough to sustain me. Who am I? Very simply, I'm loved by God. That is the truest part of my identity. This book, it's called Free, Rescued from Shame-Based Religion and Released into the Life-Giving Love of Jesus. It's by a guy named Kevin Butcher. I've gotten to know Kevin the last couple of years. He's a, I don't even know what to call him. He's a friend, he's a counselor, he's a spiritual director, but I'm on Zoom with Kevin every month. Kevin was in a, it was a senior pastor, lead pastor like me, and got fired from his church after like 30 years because of anger issues. Got fired. He talks about it, writes about it. And, uh, and it's so great for me to have him in my life. You know, it gets real. We get on that Zoom call, man. It's like, he, we just let him, it's, it's, it's powerful. Well, he wrote this book, and I want to share with you 
one of his insights. He says this, here's the great tragedy. Very few of us see God as our healer, our deliverer, our father, deeply in love with us as his sons and daughters, calling us above all else to love him deeply in return. When we don't live in this, quote, he really loves me, unquote, reality, our walk with Jesus is full of duty, fear, shame, and commands we find impossible to keep. The security, freedom, joy, and power of his transformative love is nowhere in sight. Many not only are discouraged, but have simply checked out. They're dying. And I'm done standing by watching them, watching you die. Not that I have this all figured out. Full disclosure, before I started writing this book about living saturated in the love of God, I had to go back to Scripture one more time to ask is the love of God really it? Is his love really the core spiritual substance that fills us, secures us, and launches us into battle against the powers of darkness? Is his love really the key to walking with Jesus? Not just for me, but for my struggling brothers and sisters whom I love so dearly. And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Jesus said in John 15, 9, if you have a Bible, you might want to underline this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Now remain in my love. Remain in my love. Do you remember the prayer we're in, Ephesians 3? Remain, dwell, taking up residence, permanency, settling in. That God wants us to understand, right? It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts. He's going to dwell in your hearts. He's going to make his home in your hearts. Now he's, Jesus said, now remain in my love. Now you make your home in my heart. You see the relational exchange here it's a connection here paul's talking about it jesus is talking about it i love how eugene peterson translates or paraphrases john 15 9 i've loved you the way my father has loved me make yourselves at home in my love have you made yourself at home you know what it's like to be at home where you feel safe secure free filled up, freed up, right? Have you made your home in God's unfailing love? I just know in my own experience that when, when I receive his love and when I remain in his love, saturated by his love, reminding myself not just on Sunday morning, every day. And that's, by the way, why we come back. The reason we do this church thing is you go out there and you're bombarded with try not to suck. 
And you come in here and we're saying you're loved, you matter, you're important, you're significant. We need you. God loves you. And you go out there and it's like, try not to suck. And you come in here, we, we don't want to say that. We don't want to be the church that says, uh, you're not devoted enough. I believe, our staff believes, when this love saturates and touches your heart, it transforms your heart. So you want to be here to get recharged. You want to be reminded of this love because you're getting tired out there going, man, everybody's telling me I, I'm not pretty enough or cute enough or my abs, man, I got a belly. And, and apparently that's sinful out there. So here's what happens. Here's what happens in my life. I wrote this in my notes. That if I can receive and remain in the unfailing love of God day after day, it will transform me and it will strengthen me so that three things happen. Number one, I am freed up, freed up, freed up, freed up to embrace life fully, to love without abandon, to love fiercely, to laugh hard, to belly laugh, to be so freed up from shame-based religion from insecurity and inferiority, freed up from comparing, from competing with other churches, for caring what everybody else thinks about me, freed up from a self-absorbed life and freed for living beyond myself for the sake of others. That's what will happen to you when you are saturated in the love of Jesus. This love that Paul prays over the Ephesians, we're praying over you that, that, that God will give you eyes to see and experience. Not here, oh yeah, I know. No, no, here. That you experience in a way that radically transforms your life. You will become a man or a woman who lives freed up. Second thing that happens is we become fed up. That happens in my life. When I'm saturated in the love of Jesus, I not only live freed up, I actually live a life that's fed up with what? With a report card on my life that's kind of a GPA 2.2, GPA in living life. Getting a C minus in marriage, a D in friendship. I don't have time for friends. Uh, you know, I'm getting a C plus as a teammate at work. I'm getting a B plus, though, in judging others. I'm good at that, man. Spiritual life, eh, C. Hey, kids, club sports, I'm getting an A. Social media, cell phone use, getting an A minus in that. Priorities, I'm getting an F. When you're saturated in the love of Jesus, when you actually understand that he has a purpose for your life, meaning for your life, that you belong to him, that you belong to a family. I love what Jono said about family, not attending a church service. It's belonging to a family, not just as a consumer, but as a contributor. You show up here on mission. Who's God going to bring across my path to love and encourage? Who am I going to greet? And they're going to see my eyes light up when I see them so they feel loved. I become the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm, on, I'm fed up with living a mediocre, mediocre life. 
and I'm getting a 2.2 GPA in life, and you are too. And when you get it, you get fed up with that. You're like, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to be on mission with my friends, with my family, and make a difference in this world. And then the last thing that happens in my life, after I get freed up and fed up, I get filled up with forgiveness because I stumble. I make poor choices. I say something that stings. But then I, in desperation, go, God, forgive me again. Anybody else use again in a prayer? (laughs) Again. But God fills us up with his love so that we can get back on our feet when we fail, so that we can endure pain, face our fears, forgive others who hurt us, serve joyfully, and help others in ways that might even surprise us. God wants to fill your life up with his love so that when you wake up every day, you're on mission. You have a purpose. You have meaning to your life. You know your love, you've experienced it, and now you're on mission to love everyone, always. So bow your heads with me. I've given you a lot to think about today. Some of, some of you, you are encouraged. Others, it was a punch in the gut. What I want you to hear is that you're worth it. Jesus said you're worth the sacrifice. That's why he went to the cross. You are worth it. And that's why he suffered. That's why he was humiliated. That's why he was abandoned, forgotten, rejected, abused, and betrayed. And he endured all of that for you. And I think it might even be appropriate right here just to to thank him for that. Why not just in the quietness of your heart, open your palms, receive that love that he's pouring out, that he's saying, I love you. Receive it, not just in your head, but in your heart and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. God, in my mind right now, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of that line, if it's too good to be true, it must be. But not with you. Not with you. Not with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.